Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. Today we're talking about the second book of the Bible, Exodus. Also the second book of the Torah. Correcto. Um, <laughs> before we get too deep into the discussion, uh, just because this is our second episode, I wanted to sort of reset for you a little bit about who we are and what we're doing. Um, we're reading through the Bible as the, for the first time, like I said earlier, I wasn't raised with any particular religion. So this is my first time with a lot of this stuff. I was a little Jewish, but you know, whatever. Jewish. Jewish. Correct. Um, uh, and I'm reading the NRSV, the new revised standard version. And, um, I was raised Christian. I was raised Presbyterian. Um, and I was super involved with my church all throughout high school. And now I'm an atheist. Um, and I'm reading the New International Version, the NIV, um, and the difference between our Bibles is basically that my Bible is very invested in saying that everything is accurate and all of this really happened and it's true. Mm -hmm. Well, mine tries to give you, give me like an academic explanation for what could possibly be true or whatever. Also, we're dating. Also, we're dating. We've been living together for like a million years. Mm -hmm. This is not a will they, won't they podcast. <laughs> This is a they did. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, this is not a Bible study podcast. Um, no, we, you know, don't believe in anything. We certainly this is not intended as a slight or or as an offense to anybody who does. But it's just not that podcast. Apologies if that's what you're looking for. And on the topic of offense, we also want to say that uh, we might talk about some topics that are a little unpleasant. They may be triggering for some people. Because that is what is in the Bible. There's all sorts of horrible. Please don't lay this one on in us. the Bible. <laughs> Talk to Bible Man or whoever wrote it. Yeah, it was Bible Man. Mm -hmm. Actually, um, according to my Bible, it was Moses. He wrote the first five books, or what is basically the Torah, mm. um, according to my Bible. He was a. In that case, he was a very busy and repetitive man. Yes, he was, and sort of self-centered. <laughs> And always referred to himself in the third person. If you missed our first episode, that was about Genesis, mm -hmm. the first book of the Bible. You can go back and listen to that. Episode one, Genesis. Episode one, Genesis. And now we're on Exodus. So Exodus uh, starts with the names of all the people who joined Joseph in Egypt, all his brothers and everything. Right. So the first couple words are ve'eleshemot, which means these are the names. Um, and it's just like, these are the names of the sons of Israel. And then it lists them all. Um, according to my Bible, Moses wrote it. And uh, it takes place in about 1446 BC. Does your Bible have any data on that? I, it didn't have any specific uh, mention about dates, except, of course, where it said that the earliest historical record of the word Israel being used to refer to a people was on a steel, S-T-E-L-E, found in, in Egypt was from 1208 BC. Yeah. So there's Talking no about. actual historical record of Moses or any of the things that happen in Exodus. Mm. So the Hebrews have fallen a long way from the time of Joseph, who yeah, was Pharaoh's right-hand man and controlled everything. It just took Egypt. one generation for it to go, no, no, no. to go south, right? No. It took a couple. Oh, okay. It says it's been 200 years. Oh. But I mean, that could be like, one generation for these people. They sometimes have children at Excellent age point. like 100. So. Um, and Moses' parents are Levites. Right. Meaning they're descended from? Levi. Levi, or one Levi. of Joseph's brothers, who you may remember from episode one as one of the brothers who slaughtered an entire village of people because one of them had sex with his sister. Correct. And... He and his other brother, Simeon, were basically disowned on Jacob's deathbed uh -huh. for being super violent for no reason. Right. So, uh, swords of violence were their weapons. Yes. If I remember correctly. Indeed. And Moses is part of this new Hebrew tradition where I guess they're basically slaves in, in Egypt. Yeah. And nobody remembers Joseph, it says. But so the Bible establishes very early, or this book of the Bible specifically establishes that the new pharaoh, the one that's in charge right now, is a jerk. He's yeah. just an idiot. 
Um, and a slave driver. Slave driver, exactly. And he's worried about how many Jews there are in, in Egypt and essentially starts a pogrom against them. Yeah, and so he decides to have all the Jewish babies, Jewish male babies killed. Right. He's, he he says apparently that, doesn't know that Judaism is passed down on the mother's side. <laughs> he says that if you see a, a, a Jewish male baby on the birth stool, it should be thrown into the Nile. Oh, yes. My Bible said the birth stool is actually two stones next to each other. That's what I also read. That was, that's a barbaric way to give birth. Mm-hmm. I, the birth stool sounds like something much dirtier to me. And also the people, like his Pharaoh's people tell him, Look, there's nothing we can do. These Hebrew women give birth really fast. <laughs> They're not like Egyptian women. Those are his. Those are the midwives that he talks yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, there's a there's a nice ethnic stereotype for you. Mm-hmm. One that I've never heard. Old fashioned. Yeah. So Moses's mother, in order to save baby Moses, right. puts him in a basket and sends him down the Nile. He's picked up by a princess of the Pharaoh's house. And raised, his, daughter. and raised as Pharaoh's grandson. Now, there's a couple details here that are confusing to me. Okay. A, Moses has two siblings. One is a sister, Miriam, and one is a brother, Aaron. Right. And I don't understand why Aaron wasn't killed. He's not a baby? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe he was. Isn't he only like three years older, though? I don't know. I don't know. So, okay, maybe there's just a little Look, take it up with Mr. Hole. Bibleman over there. Mr. Moses. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, I'm really unclear about how much a part of the royal household Moses was. Right. Because he knew, he grows up knowing he's Hebrew. They immediately, Pharaoh's daughter immediately recognizes him as Hebrew. Right. So it's not one of those things where, you know, his family legacy is revealed to him much later and he thought he was Egyptian all this time. And his mother actually acted as his, as his wet nurse. Right. So His he, Hebrew mother. So he grew up like... With his biological mother as his nanny, basically. Right. Um, and in in pop culture representations of this story, mm-hmm. I haven't seen The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. Okay. But in, like, all the cartoons that I had to watch in Sunday school and in, like, Prince of Egypt, mm-hmm. um, th- there's, like, a lot of drama around Moses having to go against the family that he's been raised in. I see. Um, and regarding... The the former pharaoh as his grandfather and then the next pharaoh as his cousin. Right. But like in the Bible, that's like barely there. That's true. It is barely there. Although you could entirely see why as a modern observer, if yeah. you're reading this story and trying to like dramatize it, you'd yeah. be like, this is a natural source of conflict. There's because, a lot of family drama there. And it gets involved in the idea of identity, especially with what comes next, which is, of course, that uh, Moses grows up and eventually... There's this scene where he sees a Hebrew Egyptian. person, Egyptian, arguing with a Hebrew in the street and basically just kills the Egyptian. Yeah. Which I didn't know anything about. I did, oh, not, know, I did really? not know that that was part of the story. So oh, that, yeah. that, that one caught me surprise, by surprise. I was like, yeah. what? He just killed a guy? He kills an Egyptian and then he flees so that Pharaoh won't. Well, the next day, after he kills the Egyptian, he goes out into the street again, sees two Hebrews arguing, and he tries to break up the fight. And the Hebrews say, what, are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? And Moses is like, you know about that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I got to get out of town. Yeah. So he flees um, to the land of Midian. Mm -hmm. Um, So in Midian, he marries a woman named Zipporah, Mm -hmm. which I think, if I remember correctly, from Hebrew class means bird. Okay. I'll take your word at that. And he has a couple kids. Who aren't important yet. Gershom and Eliezer. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, he's chilling in Midian. He lives there for some unspecified period of time that seems to be very long. Seems to be substantial. Uh-huh. And then one day he's out tending the flocks and he sees the burning bush. Right. That's what they call it when a woman has red hair. <laughs> He goes upset at me right now. <laughs> he sees the burning bush and he has his first conversation with God. And uh, God tells him, you've, you've probably heard this story. God tells him, you know, take off your shoes. You're in a holy place. And then tells him, I'm going to use you to free the Hebrews. Now, why did God pick Moses? Surely there are tons of Hebrews in Egypt. That's true. 
Yeah, and he specifically says to God, like, why are you choosing me? Mm -hmm. I'm not good at public speaking. <laughs> Which is so funny. Yeah. He's just like, I'm not the right guy. Yeah, for he this. says, like, I'm not eloquent. It's a pleasure to meet you, but <laughs> I'm going to have to respectfully decline. And God tells him, no, it's fine. We'll use your brother Aaron to do all the public speaking. And it's you can just be like the brains behind the operation or like the the muscle. Although mostly what he does is just talk to God and do whatever God says. Yeah, that's I mean, well, that's an important role being like the. But does it have to be one step removed from the person that then carries those instructions to the Hebrews? Apparently so. Well, look, who am I to judge? You are no one. This is God's plan. And God's plan makes no sense to humans, <laughs> as we're going to find out. It doesn't seem like God really has a plan, In though. Exodus. To convince people that he really has God on his side, mm -hmm. Moses is given the ability to perform three magic tricks. <laughs> three very mild magic tricks. Well, they're not... <laughs> They're not that mild. I okay. feel like they're pretty severe magic tricks. One is turning his staff into a snake. Mm -hmm. in D &D, in D &D, it's called sticks to snakes. Oh, I didn't know that was a D&D &D thing. Mm -hmm. Great. Perfect. Second magic trick is when he puts his hand in his robe, it will have leprosy. Right. Awesome trick <laughs> for freaking everyone out. Mm -hmm. Freaking out the squares. Exactly, yeah. He's, this is his magical mystery tour. Um, and then the third trick is turning water to blood. That's an unpleasant one. I Which, guess that one is not a minor trick. No, that's something pretty severe. Yeah. Um, so with that, Moses heads off to Egypt from Midian yes. with his wife and kids. Right. And there's a very strange moment in here that I never learned about in Sunday school where... God almost kills him in the middle of the night, and it's not precisely clear why. I guess just because he's reluctant to take on this role. And his wife, Zipporah, notices God about to kill him somehow and swoops in and solves the situation by circumcising their son, their oldest son. Here's the verse exactly. I wanted to read it out. On the way, at a place where they spent the night, the Lord met him and tried to kill him. But Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Truly, you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then she said, A bridegroom of blood by circumcision. Yes. That... What also, does this mean? my Bible has a footnote that says that um, saying that she touched Moses' foot with the uh -huh. foreskin is probably a euphemism for his genitals. <sighs> so that makes it even weirder. Yeah, that does make it weirder. So... I mean, I guess this is just an extension of Genesis, which was very focused on the penis mm -hmm. and the utmost importance of circumcision. Mine just says, in this enigmatic episode, God attacks Moses for reasons that are unclear. Unclear. Thank you. Thank you for that interpretation. So anyway, like then that's like completely forgotten. That never comes up again. Yep. They get to Egypt. They meet up with Aaron. Correct. Um, who's going to kind of be a spokesman. Right. And... Go to Pharaoh mm -hmm. and say, Mr. Pharaoh, tear down this wall. <laughs> nice. And no, that's not true. They say, let my people let go. My, let my sheeple go. If you grew up going to Sunday school, and I think this is actually true for Jewish kids too. I okay. think you learn it. Uh, a very popular song that you learn is a version of Louis Louis, but with Oh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh? Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Really? Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Oh, baby, let my people go. <laughs> That's good. Yep. That's good. It's especially a good choice to use a song whose actual lyrics are completely unintelligible. That's true. Yeah, then... so every time I hear that song, like, <laughs> in the grocery store or whatever, uh -huh. I'm always thinking about Pharaoh. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the original didn't have enough really to stick in there. It's true. So he goes to Pharaoh, tells him to let his people go. Um, Pharaoh basically laughs it off and says that he'll work him to death before he lets him go. And he says now they have to make more bricks, or they have to make the same amount of bricks, but they can't use straw. Well, they can use straw, but only straw they gather themselves. Yeah, so. A, a strange little addendum. It made sense back then, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it did. It, it would be like the equivalent. When the economy of the world was 90% brick-based. Right. <laughs> but that's when Moses gets to do all of his magic tricks that he learned from God. Or Aaron does. Well, Aaron's staff turns into a snake. Okay. And then Pharaoh 
calls out his sorcerers because, again, this is ancient times, so everybody's a wizard. Who doesn't have sorcerers on staff? Like, you'd be a second-rate king if you didn't have just some magicians somewhere Mm -hmm. in your retinue. On the payroll. Yeah. And they all throw down their staffs, turn into snakes, and then freaking Moses' snake eats those snakes. Eats them. And Pharaoh's like, man, anybody can make a snake out of a staff. Yeah, Pharaoh's like super unimpressed by that, which... (laughs) I can understand some level of skepticism, but uh, Pharaoh doesn't like that trick, though. He's not impressed. So he won't let the people go. Nope. So now we're going to start. Establishing a theme whereby, wherein he does not let the people go. No, he's he's very, his heart hardens against Dude, his them. heart hardens so many times in this section. I'm surprised that he doesn't have a cardiac episode. Yeah, it's, it's intense. It's like reverse Grincho. <laughs> <laughs> instead of growing his heart strings and moses has to start rolling out the plagues mm-hmm. first one turns the nile and in fact all the water in egypt into blood all of this because pharaoh wouldn't give the hebrews a three-day weekend oh, literally yeah. that's all he asked for at okay the so that's the weird thing i didn't realize this before i started to read the first, the first let my people go is just like, let my people go to the wilderness for three days. The whole time it's that. All he's asking for is for them to be able to go out into the desert and have a religious festival and um, sacrifice animals and like do what they have to do for their religion. Right. And then. See dead mouse. And then, yeah, like do a bunch of acid. Blow some steam, man. Yeah. Burn a huge wicker man, whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, Pharaoh won't give them a three-day weekend, and that in, incites this whole series of plagues. Yeah. So first plague, turning the Nile and all the, all the water in Egypt into blood, which I think that should be a euphemism for getting your period. <laughs> you should be like, it's like the first plague of Egypt up in here. <laughs> okay. I like it. <laughs> you can keep it. Thanks. Um. Despite the fact that that would basically destroy Egypt. Yeah. And it says like it kills all the fish and it smells terrible. (laughs) And actually, this might not be as terrifying as we think it is. They seem to be like a little less impressed Uh Um, because it says that pharaoh sorcerers can do that too. Turn water to blood. Yeah. Yeah. They they can do that. I'm unclear what water they turn into blood because it's like already all blood and people are like trying to dig new wells right uh but it says they can do it too water to blood is easy as is apparently creating frogs yes frogs is the next one just frogs everywhere lots of frogs all throughout this time throughout in between every one of these plagues moses goes back to the pharaoh Mm -hmm. and is like what do you think you believe in my god yet and pharaoh's like no i don't believe in your god although maybe three times he says moses you got to stop with this. Yeah. Whatever you want, you got it. And then Moses is like, awesome. Nailed it. Goes out into the desert, talks to God. The plague stops. And then Pharaoh immediately... Rescinds hardened, his promise. Rescinds his promise. Hardens his heart. Hardens his heart. So frogs is the second plague. And the sorcerers, the Pharaoh sorcerers can do that too. Mm-hmm. And then Pharaoh says, we'll let them go. So God kills all the frogs. Right. But then he changes his mind. Which, I mean, I think killing the frogs would arguably be a greater plague yeah because now there's dead frogs millions everywhere. of dead there's frogs like, everywhere yeah like rotting corpses everything smells terrible it's a problem uh but you know <laughs> see here's where the plagues start to not impress me as much this plague don't impress me much <laughs> okay so this plague is brad pitt <laughs> <laughs> no this plague is gnats yes uh and then flies and well so the thing about the gnats is uh-huh. That's the first one that the sorcerers can't reproduce. Yeah. They see the gnats and they're like, yo, this is God's stuff. They say this is the finger of God. Right. Which I'm like, that seems like the least impressive one so far. Like, it seems like... You think you could slide your slide a hand up some, some gnats anytime? Well, it just seems like maybe like <laughs> some different magicians were like on shift that day. <laughs> like maybe they started with... The A-team. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, who's, like Houdini. They started with Houdini. And then, like, they had, like, David Copperfield in there, you know, making blood. Mm-hmm. And then they got to, like, Chris Angel. They Oof. got to Joe Bluth. Joe, Joe Bluth is just, right. like, dancing around with a knife in his mouth to the final countdown, and he can't make gnats. This is kind of the final countdown. 
<laughs> well, let's get there. Let's get there and talk about okay. it. Because after flies comes pestilence. Oh, well, after gnats comes flies. Yes. And then, yeah, after flies, Pharaoh says, um, okay, you can have your festival. Right. But you have to stay in Egypt. Right. And the excuse that Moses gives is, if we stay here and do our sacrifices, everyone will think it's gross and they'll stone us to death. <laughs> like, what could be grosser than flies, gnats, frogs, and blood everywhere? Right. The millions of dead frogs is not gross. And dead fish floating in rivers of blood. Right. But, like, they're going to be upset about, like, bleeding a cow to death? I don't know. There's a plague of sickness next. Um, It's a plague on the livestock. Mm-hmm. And my Bible says that probably the flies from the last plague carried the bacteria oh, that started the livestock plague. Yep. So this is all scientifically accurate. Fair enough. Um, after plague on the livestock comes the boils. Boils. Hail. Mm-hmm. Hail is awesome. Hail kills everything that's outside during the hail. And it includes lightning, which sets things on fire. That's savage. That's some pretty metal stuff. Then locusts mm -hmm. and those eat all the plants that the hail hasn't already killed. Um, Pharaoh again says he'll let them go and changes his mind. Um, after locusts, you get darkness. Three days of darkness. Darkness so dark that people couldn't see each other. They were stumbling around in their own city. But it was light on the Israelites. Mm -hmm. Followed by the harshest plague of all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like a plague of genocide. It's like, it's, it's, this one, I think, way, far outweighs all the others in its extremity. And yet, it's, it's the exact opposite of the, the pogrom that the first pharaoh initiated. True. So it's kind of poetic justice. Yes. Yes, poetic justice, but... But not real justice. <laughs> Look, the Old Testament God is all about poetic justice. Fair enough. Like, things are not fair at all. Right. They get a little fairer later once we start talking about who fell into whom's pit and... Well, yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. The plague of the firstborns comes. So that's... He's going to kill every firstborn son of every household that does not have this specific marker on the door. On mm -hmm. And the marker is like you have to go through this big ritual and you have to kill a lamb and mm -hmm. put the blood on your doorway and so this... And then you'll be passed over. So that's where the holiday of Passover. Passover comes was from. never this bloody as I remember it. Well, you must not have celebrated Passover like super religious style because that's what it commemorates. I know. It, oh, now I know that's what it commemorates. You didn't know that before? I had, yeah, I had heard the story, I guess, a couple times. Um, but I didn't really understand how much like literal blood was involved. Yeah. There's a lot of blood. Yeah. Like you got to kill what, like three rams or something like that? Well, they, like, had to kill enough lambs for everybody to have enough blood. Yeah. But it says you can share with your neighbor. Okay. That's not so bad, I guess. And then they have to, like, eat the meat with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. Oh, you have to do specific things with the organs. Yeah, and... You have to eat it all hurriedly, too. You have to eat it all... Wait, wait, wait. Don't what? savor it. You have to eat it... You have to eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt, <laughs> your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Wow. And if you have any leftovers, you have to burn them. You mm -hmm. can't keep them. It's like the ultimate sad desk lunch. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was blasphemous. Okay. So God goes through, mm -hmm. kills all the firstborn sons. Yep. The Israelites are safe from that. And that is finally what breaks Pharaoh's hardened little heart. It's true. Is losing his firstborn son. Uh-huh. And then he lets them go. When he lets them go... God has them all ask their Egyptian neighbors to give them all their jewelry and clothes. Yeah, basically ask them to, like, not rob them, but, like, soft rob them. I, it's it's a soft rob. I would say I would say it's a hard rob. Well, I mean, because then God, like, manipulates the minds of the Egyptians to give up all their stuff. If he can do that, why didn't he just fucking manipulate Pharaoh's mind? I mean, there he did manipulate Pharaoh's mind to do the opposite of what, what Moses was asking. Then they get a covenant, right? All about Passover, about how to celebrate it. And oh yeah, how to yeah. Do the same, do the same thing every time. And after the big description of what everybody should do during Passover, including the various 
degrees of exile and death you will face if you don't obey the rules. They sing a nice song, and yes, they get out of town. Song, and then they leave. Mm-hmm. So The song includes the phrase, the Lord is a warrior, which I couldn't help but hear in my head to the tune of... The uh, world is a vampire. The world is a vampire, <laughs> yes. How did you know? Listeners, she guessed that. There was no prompting. <laughs> she knew exactly what it was. It was obvious. I mean, what else would you think of? Mm-hmm. And I kept looking through the whole thing being like... Ooh, is there a, like a Smash Mouth All-Stars line in here somewhere? Or is that, what other songs are constantly in my brain that I can apply to this? But there was nothing. The are, meter's all messed up. Are all the songs in your brain by bands that start with the word Smash? As long as there are absolutely no follow-up questions, yes. <laughs> so they they go, and God is leading them on this particular route through the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, to avoid conflict. To avoid, uh, yeah, to avoid getting attacked by the Philistines. <laughs> I know they're bad guys. Um, yeah, they're so uncultured. Um, and so he's God appears as a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire during the night. Fire during the night. But Pharaoh changes his mind again. Mm-hmm. And he sends his army out after them. And God, this is, this is God's doing again. He again hardens Pharaoh's heart. He's like, you know what? We just got to score like one more sweet ass victory over these Egyptians just to really stick it to them. I mean, he says, like, I'm doing this to glorify myself. <laughs> Those are <laughs> the words glorify myself yeah. are from scripture. So then the famous scene happens where uh, the Red Sea parts mm-hmm. and the Israelites go through safely. Pharaoh's army comes after them riding chariots. And as soon as the Israelites make it across, God collapses the Red Sea, and it drowns everybody. Mm -hmm. And you'd think this would be something that uh, would be reflected in archaeological records if it had actually happened. Like, it says there's like 600 of his best chariots. Right. You'd think they might have found something in the Red Sea, but oh well. So congratulations, Israelites. You made it out of Egypt. Made it out of Egypt. Now they're just... Now you're just in the desert of sin, (laughs) is what it's called. Uh... They're underprepared. They are cranky as hell. <laughs> Moses doesn't have a plan. Moses doesn't have a plan. Well, he doesn't have a plan because God doesn't have a plan. God's going to just make it up on the fly. Because God doesn't proactively do anything for the Israelites. Basically, the moaning has to get loud enough that they go to Moses. Moses goes to God and is like, hey, God, we got nothing to eat. We got nothing to drink. And then God's like, oh, no problem. Let me just crack open that rock and let water spill forth from it. Or let me just let this food settle on the earth like dew. Yeah, so that's that's manna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is apparently just a type of bread. Yeah, and the story where the manna is explained and how you're supposed to eat it and what you're supposed to do with it is very micromanagey. You know, it seems like they could have simple, like streamlined this just a little bit. But I assume they were just training, uh, or I mean, the, the idea was to train the people to follow arbitrary rules for no reason. <laughs> That's, I mean, that is like a good conditioning tactic for the rest of the stuff they're going to have to go through. Mm-hmm. They eat mana for forty years. Yeah, well, that's total, though. What, what do you mean total? Like, it isn't chronological. Oh, right. Okay. So they wander they in the desert for a total out in the of desert. 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's halfway through Exodus about. So we're going to take a quick break, listen to some music, and then we'll be back. There's a whole bunch more fun stuff coming up. We got commandments. We got cubits. We got very specific instructions for making clothes. We have the original Ark of the Covenant. And uh, all of that and so much more. So much more. Sunday School Dropouts podcast. We'll be right back. Bye. the Sunday School Dropouts podcast. I'm Nico. I'm Lauren. And we are going to continue on with Exodus. But just a, a quick thing, real quick. You might hear a bunch of weird background noise because the rain, she is a coming down. She is a blowing. She is the rain. She is a blowing. The wind, she is a coming down. 
it's a storm, I might say, of biblical proportions, question mark? Question mark? It's not a storm of biblical proportions. It's okay. quite mild. Settled by our in-house Bible expert, Lauren. And meteorologist. <laughs> Are there any meteors in the Bible? Don't answer that. Don't spoil me. <laughs> Let's get back to the book. No spoilers. So Moses takes his assistant, Joshua. Mm-hmm. And they go up Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. One and, of the many treks of this holy mount. And Moses receives the Ten Commandments. And he's Moses is the only person that can actually see God because his presence is so powerful that it would kill a normal person. Well, he still can't see his face. Right. Still can't see God's face. But he can, like, hide in a rock and see God's back. <laughs> That's, like, the yes, compromise yes. they come up with. And you'll – and, like – he knows that God was there because God walks by and leaves his mark on a stone. Right? Yeah. Or, you know, appears as a pillar of cloud or whatever. Sure. Um, so he gets the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. How many te- How many commandments can you name from memory? Excellent question. You want me to give you my top ten commandments right top now? Top ten commandments. Go. Okay. Uh, the first one is you shall not make idols. I think that's the second one, but keep going. Okay. Uh, yeah, all right. Let, let me, let I'm, me not just... gonna, I'm not going to demand that you do them in order. <laughs> okay. I'm giving my top 10, by the way. Okay. Oh, you're rearranging them. Please. I'm not. I can't give a top 10. <laughs> Here we go. There are idols. Um, there is you shall not kill. There is uh, you cannot covet your neighbor's anything. Um, honor thy father and mother. That's one. Um, there is a rule about keeping the Sabbath. I think that's one. There is one. Um there is a oh no am i going to tap out at five um it's okay tag me in all right tag in okay there's also no adultery oh yeah there's no thieving okay um no taking the lord's name in vain oh yeah uh uh the first one the very first one is like you will have no god before me isn't that make no idols they're they're redundant okay i mean to my mind uh, and number 10 is, I don't know what number 10 is. Uh-oh. Listeners, we only have nine commandments between us. Oh, no lying. Did okay. Did we do no lying? No lying, no stealing. hmm So he literally gets these on stone tablets. Mm-hmm. That's not just a, like a he creation car- for modern cartoons. Right. He creates the stone tablets himself and then brings them up the mountain and God carves them. And then, so he's up there for 40 days and nights mm-hmm. um, fasting. And receiving these commandments from God. And when he comes back down the mountain, he finds a little surprise. <laughs> which is that his people, which throughout this whole journey, his people have been the moaniest, whiniest people. They're total ingrate. <laughs> and God is always like, I hear they're grumbling. <laughs> they're always grumbling. Which, you know, like I... In my Bible, they're moaning, which uh, is great. <laughs> I identify with that. I like to complain. Yeah, it feels good, you know. To just vent a little bit sometimes? I, you know, if they had Twitter, they <laughs> they probably would have had a lot of followers. That's true. Hashtag where's Moses? <laughs> Hashtag what the fuck? Yep. Hashtag sick of mana. Mm-hmm. So, but in the, 40, in the 40 days that he's gone, the people of Israel who are at the base of Mount Sinai, they go to Aaron and they say, look, this Moses guy is a joke. He's gone. He's gone. He led us out of Egypt into the wilderness, gave us magic food and whatever, but here we are. We still don't have a God. Like, we have no like proof. Like, they've seen a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And <laughs> they're like, the "What's God isn't real. Right. And so they ask Aaron, build us a new God. And so Aaron, a new God. Aaron, who had one fucking job to do. <laughs> Which was just to keep keep it <laughs> just, simple. Just, like, keep it together for a month. Uh-huh. He says, give me all your gold. <laughs> and they, so they all give him all the gold that he has. And right. he melts it down and creates... A statue of a calf. Yes. Which they then start worshiping and thanking for bringing them out of Egypt. Right. And then they have like what I can only assume is like some sort of bacchanal. Yeah. Because they describe when Moses comes back, everybody running around and they, he hears he hears the song in the distance. And is it the song of prayer? No. Is it the... Is it the, the well, he sh- thinks it's violence. Is it the shriek of terror? Yeah. No. It's the sound of revelry, they say. <laughs> oh, that, that exact word is not in my Bible. But anyway. Joshua, I think, says like... Oh, like I hear violence. I hear them getting attacked. But actually, they're all just partying around the golden calf. This is the festi that they were looking for for so long. But 
exactly the opposite uh-huh. of the festi that they need to have. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's not, it's not the festi they need, but the festi they deserve. <laughs> uh, Moses comes back down the mountain, sees everyone worshiping the golden calf, and gets so mad that he throws the stone tablets containing the Ten Commandments onto the ground, and they break. Yeah. He spent 40 days up there yeah. getting those things done. And immediately they're gone. He also, Moses comes down, burns the golden calf and makes the Jews drink it. And also, what? I really like Aaron's defense of this. Oh, Aaron's defense is amazing. He's like, you know, these people are fucking sinners. I just told them to give me all their gold. Right. Um, You know, I just and like you I, do. And then I melted it and this golden calf came out of it. And out came this calf is exactly the words that my Bible has. Uh, So... Then Moses says, okay, like everyone who still wants to worship the real God, Uh come over here. And those people come over and then he's like, okay, take these swords and kill everyone else. And they do. And it's about 3,000 people. They killed 3,000 people at the base of the Holy Mount. That came out of nowhere Yeah, it came out of nowhere. I have never learned that. I mean, I knew about the golden calf Mm -hmm. and... I knew like they were punished, but I didn't realize that involved them slaughtering their like family members and friends. They each they, that's what he said to them was go out and each of you kill a brother, a son or an uncle or something. Like yeah. That. Like, and, so, and then each of them comes back and they're like, we did it. And he's like, now you've all lost somebody. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you told us <laughs> yeah, to do that. <laughs> what a bizarre episode. So then he has to go back up the mountain and uh-huh. get a second copy of the Ten Commandments. Like, this is actually in the Bible. He has to get a replacement copy of the Ten Commandments because he broke his in anger. Oh, and when he comes back, his face is so radiant that he has to wear a veil yes. to talk to people. Yep. Because he's God a, is, like, present in He's got a little face. bit of that God dust on him. So the next portion of this book is a whole lot of talk about laws. Because basically, now that they have their own group of people and they have these basic Ten Commandments, it's all talk about how they establish the day-to-day kind of stuff, about who should determine what is right and all that. All of the laws in there are God-given, including the confusing ones that are very specific. Yes, especially the confusing ones that are very specific. (laughs) Uh, For example... There are very detailed instructions for building a tabernacle. When I was young, my sister and I always wondered what tabernacle meant. Okay. We never knew. And I actually just texted her while I was reading this and I was like, it's just a very fancy tent. (laughs) Um, So basically they have to make this very, very fancy large tent Mm -hmm. to use as a place to like commune with God. They have to make. A place for God to live. A place for God to like come down and visit them. They have to make an, a special like box called an ark mm-hmm. to hold the Ten Commandments. And there's all these specific instructions. The most shocking part to me mm-hmm. was the dugong skins. Wasn't aware that they had access to dugongs. <laughs> dugongs, if you don't know, are like manatees. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do. I looked it up. They do live in the Red Sea. They had Red Sea dugong skins? They they still have them. I must have missed that. Man. I know. That's awesome. There's some other awesome stuff in there, too. For example, um, it also includes the fact that a talent of gold is 75 pounds of gold. Oh, wow. I didn't really look at the footnotes to see the exact measurement. That's a lot of gold. Yeah, just a lot of gold. So, And there's one of the, the like, lamp in in the tent is made out of one talent of gold. So it's a 75-pound pure gold lamp and it's like a menorah basically it's like a branched lamp that the branches are like in the shape of almond buds yes almond flowers almond flowers and calyx flowers i really liked the very detailed description of what a priest needs to wear specifically aaron because aaron and his sons are become like the priest class Mm -hmm. I have never encountered this before. This priest outfit is wacky. It's super cool. It's so detailed. (laughs) It's made of like, well, it's made of several different fabrics, made of like linen and goat hair and everything. Uh And it's got like embroidered pomegranates on it interspersed with bells. Mm -hmm. It has like jewels, like 12 jewels to represent the 12 tribes of Israel on the breast piece. Also called the breast 
the breastplate of judgment. The breastplate of judgment. Which is, uh, again, straight from D&D. That's going to come back in a different book of the Bible. What? Really? No spoilers. It also mentions briefly, I want to just say, these two things, Urim and Thummim. Did you see this? Yes. Do you know what they are? Well, Urim means lights. Okay. But I think it means, it said it means curses. Uh, I don't know what it means. Urim is curses and Thummim is like blessings. Okay, curses and blessings. That makes sense. Because these are special stones that are used for divination. Yeah. By the by the priestly judges. So if you like ask and you get more Urim, then it means no. And if you get more Thummim, then it means yes. So this breastplate of judgment has like special pouches for the for like the judgment stones next to your heart, because that's where you're supposed to keep them. There's also a turban. Mm-hmm. And the turban has like on your forehead a gold plate engraved with the words holy is the lord yes that's and then amazing. there's also gold chains yep. coming from the turban like it's literally blinged out <laughs> it's true <laughs> and everything is like purple and red it's just like i'm just can you imagine someone wearing this it's insane it's like way more ornate and crazy than like the pope and like the cardinals and stuff yeah and god has very in- specific instructions for it like he's already drawn all this up yeah he already put it on his Etsy page. <laughs> uh, some other what are, some other laws. Uh, you can't uh, cook a goat in its mother's milk. You shall not boil a kid in its mother's milk. And that's, I guess, where the kosher law came from, that you can't have meat and dairy in the same meal. Hmm. Um, it talks more about, you know, how to have the proper festivals in the right way. It talks about... No, oh, don't mistreat foreigners. Don't mistreat foreigners. No witches. Oh, no witches, yeah. Um, talks about the bride price for virgins. Um, also talks about, like, there are just as many laws about humans as there are about oxen. Oh, yeah, there's also, there's very complex stuff about if your donkey falls in a hole, Mm -hmm. then whoever dug the hole has to repay you. But they get to keep the dead donkey. But they get to keep the dead donkey. Because their hole did its job, I guess. I guess. (laughs) Why should they be punished for being a successful hole digger? There's also, um, this is where uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth comes from. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in addition to that, the whole verse, if I can find it, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, and bruise for bruise. Mm. What does that mean to you? It's just very thorough. <laughs> thorough. You can lose an eye or a tooth, or if you just get wounded, if you just get bruised. It also includes the wonderful, wonderful word blood guilt. I don't have that one in mind. That's awesome. It's super good. Um, it distinguishes between premeditated murder and accidental manslaughter. It does. Which I found interesting because that's still like a very relevant distinction in the American legal system in right. the 21st century. Yeah. And it also lays out exactly what's owed if somebody kills in self-defense and somebody sees it, or if somebody kills in self-defense and they're the only witness. Uh, also, bestiality, death penalty. Basically, there's just a lot of very specific laws and rules about how to live your life mm-hmm. and what to do with the dugong hides <laughs> that you harvest from the Red Sea. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they end up building all that stuff. They build all the the tabernacle and everything to exact specifications, yes. and then they just keep going. So God is taking them to the promised land, through the desert, and this whole journey takes 40 years. And I don't know precisely when this happens, but I don't think it's at the very end. So I guess they build this enormous tent mm-hmm. with all these like gold rings holding together these elaborate curtains. Right. And then I guess all they just have to... All these numerologically significant numbers of curtains, presumably. And then they just have to like pick it up and move it every day i guess they got to move it and if it's good god will come down as a cloud and cover the tent or live in the tent or whatever and then when they pick it up they can move it again and they move it again and god does this because he doesn't want to travel direct with israel anymore because he knows he'll get pissed with them (laughs) that's pretty much what he says he's like he's like like, you're a stiff-necked people (laughs) and stiff-necked fool i don't want to have to deal with you he i mean at least at this point he's starting to know his limits you know he's 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 learning about himself he's like look i think we're better Together but apart, if that makes sense. <laughs> we need some space. <laughs> um, so on that very blasphemous note, uh, we will leave Moses and the Israelites uh, wandering in the desert. Mm-hmm. That concludes the book of Exodus. Yeah, to be continued. So now that we've gotten to the end of Exodus, I wanted to ask sort of like some general DQs, as I call them, discussion questions. <laughs> ask away. 
so this book is much more than Genesis, like a story about one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's about Moses, just mm-hmm. all about Moses and his life and how he helps Israel. What do you think? What do you? How would you describe Moses's character based well, on his choices and stuff? One thing is that he's uh, reluctant mm-hmm. to become God's like spokesperson or messenger or whatever. Um, he says multiple times, like, I'm not a good speaker. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm the right person. And that reluctance is apparently what prompts God to try and kill him that one random time when Zipporah saves him by circumcising their child. Oh, you think so? Um, that's what's implied, I think. Okay. That makes sense. So his reluctance, does that echo anything in Genesis or is this like... Is he the first reluctant hero that, that like, rejects the journey or whatever? I don't know. I mean, Abraham laughed, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's really reluctant. But we are going to—the rest of the Bible is very full of reluctant heroes. Okay, okay, okay. So sort of the flip side to that, it's also a story about another character who makes a lot of choices, which is God. Okay. What is it? So what, what did you think of— God's character during this. I mean, book. God is like a jerk in this book. <laughs> God makes everything harder than it needs to be mm-hmm. on purpose. Right. Um, he's just all about glorifying himself mm-hmm. explicitly. Um, and he causes a whole lot of people to die, not just Egyptians, but including his chosen people. And it's like he has the power to change people's minds because he gets all the Egyptians to give their jewelry to the Hebrews when they're leaving. Mm -hmm. But instead of doing that, he purposefully or purposely makes everyone make bad decisions. Right. And then punishes them for it. So those are my DQs for this chapter. Any other bits and bobs you wanted to mention before we wrap it up? No, but I want to DQ Blizzard now. So, Lauren, if I were to ask you to arbitrarily establish a rating system and then assign a rating to this book of the Bible based on unclear criteria, criteria, what, w- what would you do? I would give it five out of six dugong skins. <laughs> okay. Um, thought it was a really, really solid, uh, interesting narrative. Uh-huh. Very focused and full of juicy twists and Got turns. It. Uh, but I am going to have to take off one dugong skin because the characters' motivations were very unclear. <laughs> Understood. And that's just bad writing. That's just bad writing. Now or 5,000 years ago. It's true. I would give it, thank you for asking. You're welcome. Eight out of eight talents of gold. Whoa, that's eight times 75. 560, like 600 pounds of gold. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because like you said, the narrative is great. The Moses story is is great. The plagues are are great. Uh, I actually kind of liked the ambiguity of, of the characters. I don't know. It, it made them surprisingly human. The fact that like they're basically all defined by their flaws, including God, um, that his like his vanity or whatever, like motivated so much of the the combination of vanity and infinite power, like Fair. Tra- Fair. turned into an interesting narrative. Um, I thought about marking it down one talent for the back half, which included a lot of very repetitive and detailed descriptions of how to like make an acacia tent rod. (laughs) Yes. Or like a bronze incense burner or Mm -hmm. whatever. But um, you know what? I, I can't I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't mark it down just for that. If I gave half talents, this would be a seven and a half or for sure. But I don't. All right, we're going full 75-pound units, approximately 600 pounds of gold. Pure gold, baby. All right. Speaking of pure gold, this is probably the end of this episode. (laughs) Probably. Of the Sunday School Dropouts podcast. We want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, If you liked it, rate and review us on iTunes. That Uh, helps other people find us. I'm sure you've heard it many times before from other podcasts, but it actually really does help get the word out and helps other people listen to the podcast which is all we ever wanted in this fallen world (laughs) (laughs) 
after being banished from the Garden of Eden. If you want to find out more, you can get to us at our website, which is sundayschooldropouts.lol. That's sundayschooldropouts.lol. Alternatively, you can find us on Facebook. We are Sunday School Dropouts. On Twitter at at sunschooldrop. Thank you, Elise Carlton, for our logo and for our art. Uh, thank you to Nico for our music. Nico does all our music. You're welcome. And uh, we'll be back next week talking about Leviticus. We hope you will join us again next week. See you on Sunday. Bye. Credit Card Bill.